Batman Red. I wonder if the carpet matches the comics. <laughs> Welcome to the 20th episode of Mutant Musings Podcast. It's March 2018, so we'll be discussing some comics and news from February 2018. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is my bald genocidal twin, Patty. <clears throat> Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on geekade.com or 1 million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook. Leave us some feedback on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. We would love to hear from you, our fellow X-Men fans, whether it's a suggestion for our show, a response to our thoughts on something, or maybe you just want to let us know what you ate for breakfast. These are all acceptable comments. Just, uh, you know, cruelty-free, because I'm vegan here. Yeah, Cheerios are good. Eat Cheerios. Multigrain Cheerios. Don't, don't piss in my Cheerios As... and tell me it's raining. <laughs> That's not good for you or the environment. Uh, but first, you are going to have to accept our comments, which tend to be very explicit. So you might hear a sprinkle of shittery, a couple of cunt waffles, and maybe even an assload of assholes. So you've had fair fucking warning. By the way, I actually sat in front of my computer and contemplated how these words would go and wrote out something for shittery cunt waffles and ass loads. So that's what I spend some of my free time doing. Jonathan loves alliteration. I do love alliteration. It's, it's very good. That's why you get an ass load of assholes. An anal fissure of assholes. We got a bunch of comics that we're going to be talking about. Obviously, that's one of the... One we're of talking the, about comics? It's one of the few things that we do here. What um, else do we do? Well, we're not going to talk about assholes. Uh, I mean, unless you have anything to share. I like yours. <laughs> Thanks, honey. That's sweet. So, yeah, we've got a bunch of things that we're going to be talking about. Obviously, we're going to be talking about X-Men Red, which I'm sure everybody loved and everybody's been raving about. And we have some good things to say about it, too. But we're going to save that for later. The red is for communism. So, okay. <laughs> Let's leave politics out of this, please. All right. Uh so the first <laughs> book that we're talking about is actually my favorite. This issue, I just wanted to lick it. You, okay. I mean, you can. I mean... You buy the physical copy, you literally can lick it. I can lick it. Lick but it I good. feel like that wouldn't, like be enough to honor it you know of course i'm talking about all new wolverine number 31 of course which was just such a fucking masterpiece i just what? i don't even know what i want to do to this comic i just want to shove it up my urethra you can like, use it to stir your macaroni i yes you want to <laughs> you know? yeah somebody somebody in a group of mine said uh i had to stir my own macaroni because my boyfriend was busy and i was like that is probably my favorite euphemism ever so there you go see there's an idea she just told me about this a couple hours ago so perfect usage for all new wolverine number 31 you can use it to stir your own macaroni true i mean i guess if uh i guess i shouldn't be promoting that <laughs> yeah i could i should be kind of upset actually <laughs> moving on <laughs> fantastic all right, so this story was fantastic. It starts out with uh, Jonathan, the Wolverine, not to be confused with my co-host, broke the pelican statue. He just <coughs> attacked it, I guess. And Gabby was like, oh, no. Laura was like, oh, maybe he needs to go for a walk. And Gabby was like, no. So Laura was like, if only we had a way to translate his thoughts. Oh, wait, here's one. And just puts the collar on, and he's just talking like a puppy. He's like, need to go for a walk, break Pelican statue, and like... Yeah, that was kind of weird, though. Like, the way that they had him talk was just, like, so short and, like, curt and other words like that. Like Kurt Wagner? Staccato. There you go. That's That's a fancy musical word for all you musical nerds out there. Staccato. Isn't that like a... 
Yeah, it's a staccato note. It's, like, really quick. All right. <laughs> and, yeah, but the thing is, is, like, the setup to this issue is just so quick and dumb, like, over the course of two pages. But the thing is, it wasn't dumb, like, like this is stupid, I don't want to read it anymore. It was dumb, like, it was funny. It was really this cute. This whole comic book was fucking hilarious. Yeah, it just gets even more hilarious as we get going. And it seems like... Like, like I used to read Deadpool, like when Daniel Way was writing it. I lo- I know people are kind of polarized over that. But then when Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn took over, I was like, this is really stupid. But like Tom Taylor writing Deadpool, I'm like, this is wonderful. This yeah. is like he he and Chip Starsky need to make a love child like on the double <laughs> because I I need that love child to be an adult and make comics so you're saying that you actually want them to to make a baby yes and have the baby grow up and write like so you don't want them to collaborate i no. want to be clear here no i you, want no they need to combine their genes y- into one being literally no shits about tom taylor and chip Zdarsky teaming up on a book like pfft, that's fucking dumb nonsense no get a fucking love child and have that love child make the comics instead yeah i mean you know i'm that's probably gonna plan. have to wait like 20 years or something but uh-huh. i think i think that's you know that's like the long plan you know long-term plan yeah that's my that's my 20-year plan that's much more feasible than actually them just collaborating on a book is I to agree. have a baby and wait 20 years and have yes. that have that grown-up child that man child write the book <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i i hope that someday somehow somewhere tom taylor will listen to this and Chip Zdarsky. And Chip Zdarsky. I put my money on Chip Zdarsky listening to this. Before, really? Yeah, because Tom Taylor lives in Australia. So? I don't even know if they get do, podcasts in Australia. Do they Do they, <laughs> Do they? they have uh, the technology to hear? It's like, you know, they call it the land down under. Like, I mean, So everything I don't know. is backwards. Yeah, so like the microphone's should, upside down. We should send them this podcast, but... Play it in reverse. Inverted, yeah. Yeah, we'll just play it in reverse. That's yeah. how they'll hear it. Perfect. All right, at some point during the show, we're going to talk about comic books, actually, I promise you. Yeah, no, it's just, it's wonderful how how Gabby and Deadpool get along. They're I, best friends. I love Deadpool's reaction when he meets Jonathan, and he's just like, oh, it's so cute. And Jonathan just fucking snarls at him. He's like, I'll eat your face, and Wade's like, oh, good, we've set boundaries. Like, it's just, you know, like, Wade is just genuinely funny. So the premise was that uh, while Gabby was walking Jonathan... He started acting like weird to, to this building and said something about my family. And she knew that Jonathan had been tested on at some oh, point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they find this building and Jonathan's having a severe reaction to it. And she knows that shit is going to be going down. So she her first her first reaction isn't to call Laura because she knows that Laura is going to be a responsible adult and not want to burn the building down. So she calls Deadpool, and Deadpool's like, can we burn it down? And she's like, <laughs> "Maybe." there are animals in there. But once we get them out, then yes. Yeah. It, and like I said, you know, this is, this is all funny. It's a very cute and funny setup. And then, you know, it starts to get sad, to me anyway. Just when we get introduced to all the fucking zombie animals, it's like it's really sad. But then they're just slicing them up because they're already dead, right? You know, then there's all of a sudden there's a zombie sloth and it's crawling towards them. and They stop to buy a soda from a vending machine. Yeah, and so, you know, but the thing is, the, the only thing, my, my complaint about this issue really is um, that it ended very easily. And that Laura, when she found Gabby and Jonathan and Wade, 
She wasn't more pissed about the situation. She's like, all right, I'm disappointed in you, but I'm here now, so let's finish this. And it's just like a nice little Hallmark moment. I feel like Laura, even though she's like a big sister, she's like the mother figure, you know? She would have been more pissed. But also, it just ended too quickly and easily. Like, I'm glad that they killed the doctor. I'm, I'm, you know, sad, but also happy that Jonathan's zombie family got killed, so, you know, they didn't have to go through that shit anymore. But at the same time, Jonathan's reaction is just kind of like, old family gone, me have new family now. And then it's just like, end. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the point that you said that you thought that Laura would have been more disappointed. Yeah. But this is... This is the thing. I mean, I feel like um, Laura is kind of in the story. Her characterization has like evolved from when she first appeared, much like Kitty, so that she's not just like the cutesy character or whatever. So she got replaced by Jubilee. And I feel like that's pretty much what's happening now. And I, as much as I love Gabby, like I feel like if they made Laura into be such that like responsible person you know, and not, like, this angry little girl anymore. Like, she's not going to be recognizable anymore as, like, one of my favorite characters if she was, like, really upset or whatever, you know? That was also... Deadpool had used chloroform to knock out some guards. Yes. And Gabby was like, that's amazing. And Deadpool was like, here, I have enough for you, too. You can take this. (laughs) So she, she uses it. And the guy just, like, passes out and, like, hits his head on the floor. And she's like, oh, I was supposed to catch him, wasn't I? And Deadpool <laughs> was like, it's a learning experience. It's your first chloroforming. <laughs> no, yeah, and that's that's my point, that this was, this issue was hilarious. Like, I actually laughed out loud as I was reading this because it was so cleverly written. The humor was so spot on in all this. But uh, I I understand what you're saying about Laura. They're trying to develop her emotionally, which kind of makes sense at this point. After she met like these sisters that she had, and how now there's this only only the one left, and of course it's the youngest one. So I guess I sort of get that. I just I, I feel like as even like like I said, she's like sort of like a mother figure, so she would be a little bit angrier, but. No, I, I, I kind of get it. It's just, it still kind of upset me that this issue ended just, again, just too quickly. Um, otherwise, this was an amazing issue of All New Wolverine, and it's definitely been one of my favorites so far in this series. I agree. And also, um, one more thing about the ending that I really liked was that they set the building on fire. Yeah. Deadpool was like, oh, it's only it's only cool if you, uh, you know, don't look back at a building yeah, that's it's like burning that, it's like that fucking spider yeah meme. it's like that that <laughs> stereotype thing and gabby's just like i know and she was like can we watch it anyway <laughs> and deadpool was like fuck yeah so they're just like sitting on this brick wall just watching this with laura too yeah and jonathan just watching this building burn and i really right. liked that heartwarming ending wasn't it wouldn't you say you could say that it warmed your heart it was pyrosnetic <laughs> Pyrosnetic? Is it pyronetic? Uh-huh. I heard... All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, so next up, we're going to be talking about the last two issues of X-Men Gold, which I have been really looking forward to because I wanted... I knew that they were going to explain a bit more about the new Pyro and Avalanche, and so I have a lot of feelings on this one. So immediately, X-Men Gold number 21 opens with Simon, who burned down his community college. Uh, and, you know, you have Mesmero 
pretending to be Charles Xavier and even mentioning like, uh, I knew, you know, this, this mutant once who could do this. And, you know, so he like references Pyro. Um, and so great. So we get this backstory on Simon a little bit. It was like, what, like two pages. Um, but then we're just kind of, we're kind of thrown into this new avalanche. We don't get any context, not a name, not anything like that. But it was still a great setup. You know, after what happened with this new brotherhood in, like, the first arc of X-Men Gold, like, they're in this uh, superhuman prison, right? And then they bust out, and it's great. Uh, I, I like it already. Like, Pyro, this Pyro and Avalanche are friends basically because they're cellmates. Uh, they're already primed to be criminals. They're pissed at Lydia Nance. They're, they're pissed at even Mesmero, even though Mesmero convinces them to bust out so they can get revenge. You know, and even though it's kind of obvious Mesmero isn't telling the truth, like, when the this Brotherhood lands on that fucking cruise and they're going after these, like, anti-mutant bigots, I'm, like, cheering them on. I can't wait to see them fuck some shit up. You know, and honestly, everything going on with, like, Rachel and, like, her personally and, like, the stuff with her and Kurt, like, I don't even care about. I'm just, like, get me back to the Brotherhood, get me back to them, like, fucking up this cruise and whatever and so you know then they get word that you know this is happening the x-men get word that this is happening and so they go in to fucking stop them and this issue just ends like really kind of stupidly because the whole team gets taken out like way too easy obviously in the the next issue we find out why but i just thought it was kind of dumb i'm like all right so rachel gets taken out colossus is taken out nightcrawler i'm like every time classic pyro and storm like we're in the same battle storm rained on pyro and it was like you're out of the fight so i thought that this ended even though like i was rooting for the brotherhood i'm still like this ended way too easy i don't know i thought that there was something weird about it i didn't understand the whole thing with like all this stuff with nance and stuff Mm -hmm. i mean she's a very hateable villain she reminded me kind of of uh cameron hodge I mean, we got, like, a little bit of a kind of reason that she's a bitch in the next issue. Yeah. But it was pretty much nothing. Yeah. And she she was barely in this issue, in number 21, as it was. Like, they showed her, and they showed, like, the fire going after her, but that was really it. It didn't, like, give anything more from her. But, yeah, and then, so that's, like, one of the biggest complaints uh, about X-Men Gold number 22, which, overall was okay but it was a huge letdown in a way we it opens up with that like what one page of a backstory with lydia nance like okay her dad was a mutant and he was abusive and so like that's all we get like they could have if they really want to develop this as like a new villain which the x-men could use you need more than one fucking page of a backstory on this villain like it's it's fine we already hate her but like give us something more And also, it was kind of silly that the whole team was just playing possum with just, like, Mesmero, Pyro, and Avalanche. And this Pyro and Avalanche are brand new anyway. And so, yeah, the X-Men end up getting thrown in jail, and so that's fine. That's interesting, but, like, I don't know. I wanted more of a backstory on Avalanche. We didn't even get one. Um, They didn't even mention his name, did they? No, they never mentioned his name. So maybe they're keeping it secret for a reason. Like, maybe he is actually... What the fuck is his name? Richter? Yeah. Maybe he's, like, some kind of 
mind controlled Richter or something. And that well, I mean, but they show him with his helmet off, and he doesn't. Oh, they did. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, he doesn't look like Richter. But the thing is, but is I like, mean, Richter looks so generic. Yeah, but like this avalanche has a slightly different power set, you know? Yeah, he does. It's which which was interesting again, but like I don't know. Simon just kind of walks out uh, on Mesmero and Avalanche, and it's just. You know, it was just very meh. It was so... A lot of X-Men Gold, these stories are just kind of rushed. You don't get enough. And when you do get enough, like more than two issues, like the last story with the negative zone, that also just felt very meh to me. Like it didn't build up to a satisfying conclusion. And already we're getting that fucking... That Kologoth's god is coming back in already. Like not enough time has even gone by. You know what I mean? Uh, X-Men Gold has been my least favorite X-Book that's out right now. Probably, actually, maybe Cable. Yeah, so I thought that it was interesting that, you know, Mesmero was doing this not to get revenge on Lydia, but, like, to help her for some reason. Or to get the X-Men arrested. Yeah. To get the X-Men arrested, basically. So, So, um... Yeah, Pyro was just like, I'm not killing. That's not who I am. And Mesmero was like, well, tough shit. You're going to do it anyway. He's like, criminal already. Yeah, and Pyro was just like, all right, I'm leaving. Fuck you. Um, Which I thought was really cool because, you know, at least he's got some kind of boundaries and morals. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. Like, I like how this new Pyro seems to be having, like, I don't know, some morals, some boundaries there. It, it was it was really cool. But, like, there was just so little to like about this second issue, and then, boom, all of a sudden it's boom. over. And Oh, and then the thing with the fucking space alien whatever. So yes. stupid! <laughs> we just we just did the space alien thing. We don't need another space <laughs> alien thing. And also in X-Men Blue, they're in space with Venom. So we have some more space alien bullshit. It's just... <laughs> It's just, I hate space, always, and... But we're in space right now. Shut up. No, we're not. <laughs> we're on Earth, so... Which is in space. No, you're in space. So, I think that these stupid alien But you're guys... right next to me, so if I'm in space, uh, you're in space, too. You're in my space. Do you remember that? Topical. Um, so, yeah, this, this book, I would not give gold. I wouldn't even give it a bronze. It gets a participation trophy. Unless you come back with the aliens, then I'm excommunicating your participation. Oh, man. That was just... We could just end the podcast right now. That mic was, drop. It was just, <laughs> no, don't drop the mic. Oh, God. I thought you were going to fucking push it or something. Yeah, no, I, abso- absolutely. Uh, but what I, wanted to, what I wanted to say about Pyro is, is that what the fuck are they doing here? We had this, this new Pyro introduced at the beginning of... At the beginning of the series, and then like a month or two ago, we get old Pyro, classic Pyro, back in an old issue. Old Man Pyro. We get Old Man Pyro back in an issue of Iceman, and it's like back from the dead. It's like that is him. That is classic Pyro. And in X Men Gold number twenty one, there Pyro and Avalanche. These guys are talking to each other and like, oh, these suits belong to a couple of dead guys. And it's like, well, wait a second. What the fuck is happening? What are these people thinking in the X office? Like, how do they... uh, This is such, like, a simple detail. How could this slip by? And it's a lot more than this, but I don't... 
I could rant about editorial in the X-Men office right now, but I'm not going to. Because it's, it's been going on for a long time. This this episode already that we're doing is running long enough, and we have a lot more to talk about, and I could go on easily for another half an hour about how they're dropping the ball. There are some really great things happening in X-Men comics right now, but there's a lot of stupid, avoidable bullshit that's going on, too. And this is... It seems stupid that I would be complaining over something so minuscule, but it's just I'm, I'm seeing a lot of mistakes and a lot of stupid decisions happening lately. They used to get Artie and Leech confused. <laughs> like, I swear to God, you go back and read Gen X, they would just be used interchangeably. Like, they're colors. On. They're, but the, the one's green, one's, one's pink. pink. Yes, I know. You can't... like I just, just read it. And, it's, it's yeah, all, you can't get farther it. up. It's, it's... Oh, my God. I know. It's it's like it's like opposites, like a black and white cookie. If they needed to make a sequel, Why it gotta be black. If they needed to make a sequel to the black and white cookie, it would be the pink and green cookie. You literally can't get more different than pink and green. Come on. All right. So anyway, moving on. Uh, Generation X number eighty-seven. I know that this series has uh, a Bad lot of art. a lot of fans that are very split over it. Not just because of the art, but because of the characters in the story, but... They can get the fuck over it. Right. First of all, we love this series. And second of all, this is the final issue, which is really fucking sad because it, like, just started and already they're canceling it. Because they suck. But one of the best things to come out of this series is the fact that you have to admit is that Jubilee got her powers back. I'm so fucking happy. No more vampire nonsense anymore. We don't need to do the fucking vampire thing anymore. She's got it's, the fireworks back. It's been like a page after the vampire thing happened has been a page too long. And this <laughs> has been going on for what, like five years or no, so? No, like eight years, eight nine years. years. Okay, yeah. get the fuck over it. It's stupid. It's done. She's firework lady again. That's, yes. That's what I'm saying. Baby, you're a firework. I've been trying to get her to have her powers back i know you've been writing them every day tweeting at them knocking on doors yeah give handing out surveys yes and now we got the katie perry of x-men back yeah right what does that mean (laughs) i don't i don't get the reference you don't know katie perry is the one who did the song she kissed a girl oh is she the one who sent i don't know you know like all these random popular songs that are on like no, radios when we go out to the supermarket yeah they're from literally, like the 70s every time we go out to like the supermarket any store anywhere there's a song that's playing patty starts singing she it's knows the, the words to all of these fucking songs no. you but you did not know that katie perry did the song fireworks i know katie perry kissed a girl so anyway getting back to generation x this was a oh, really what quentin gave up his phoenix piece to save jubilee yeah that was cute. I mean, I love Quentin so much. He's really so tsundere that like he's like I can see so much of myself in him because he's just this tsundere asshole, you know. Right, and you say that word twice, like everybody knows what it means. Yeah, I, I love when you do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's like he's like the asshole with the heart of gold kind of thing. Yeah, takes a while to warm up, and then you're like, oh wow, he's the nicest person I ever met. But he's not. But the he's version. But he's not. He's like Bianca Del Rio. Like that's uh-huh. that's Sundere. Another reference that everyone gets. Because <laughs> you know that, that that is listen, the cross section of X Men fans and RuPaul's drag race fans <laughs> lands squarely on the Mutant Musings podcast. Do you know how many gay we... <laughs> X Men fans there are? I do. But do you know how many fans of 
uh, of both of both the X-Men and RuPaul's Drag Race, listen to this podcast. You have to consider the numbers. <laughs> oh my okay. All right. This was a really touching issue. It was it was really cute, you know, but it, it so like the staff, you have like Chamber and Jubilee and even Husk for some reason like just shooting shit at at M-plate while the kids are actually coming up with a plan, which was actually genius to have Benjamin Deeds pretend to be Roxy as Roxy like comes up and grabs onto M-plate. So like, you know, then there's all these illustrations of all these classic Generation X scenes from like the first volume and you know everything just ends really sweet and you know everybody's got like a relationship now you've got chamber and jubilee starting something you've got benjamin and quentin sort of like kiss and make up but then benjamin and nathaniel actually kiss and it seems like something's going on triangle yeah and then lynn seems to be warming up a little bit to trevor and it's like oh couples and everybody's happy and it ends on a party and Honestly, like, I'm not doing it justice, but if you didn't like this book... Suck a dick. If you didn't like this book... Suck a dick. Well, all right, they might anyway. You were just talking about how many X-Men fans are gay. Who do you think you're insulting? Fine, I'm not... If you want to suck a dick, go for it. All right, what if you... Even if you've never done it before, just, you know, you'll never know until you try it. Oh, yeah? Is that right, honey? Tell me, tell me, please continue trying to convince me. (laughs) Anyway, if you already didn't like this series, we're not going to convince you by raving about it. But, um, you know, I I really liked how it ended, even though I am really fucking sad that it ended. And I just hope that these characters get utilized again, especially now that Jubilee's not a vampire anymore. Put her someplace else so we can see that. Bring Chamber with her so we can see more of him. Like, I don't know. I'm going to miss seeing these characters on a regular basis. Like, I wrote an article, and I've mentioned here before, on Nature Girl a couple of years ago uh, because she was such a D-list and rarely used character, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, she's a regular in a series, and all of a sudden, again, the series is fucking canceled. And it's just really upsetting. Uh, all right, so moving on to X-Men Red number one. Yeah, no, this, uh, this issue opened up great. Like, it, it jumps right into... Gene and the team kind of, like, getting their hands dirty, going out and, like, saving mutants. And we know that we're going to get, like, a backstory on Trinary, and we're probably going to see how all that works out. The one thing that that I thought was weird, though, is, like, on the credits page in the beginning, like, you have the cast of characters, but you don't see Nesno or Trinary on there. You've got, like, Namor, you've got Gene, Kurt, uh, Wolverine, Honey Badger, but not the two of them. So I'm wondering if they're going to be, like temporary members or if it's going to be like a rotating cast or something i don't know we don't even know trinary yet and nesno haven't hasn't gotten much of a spotlight over the years um except for this one storm miniseries which was pretty cool but uh, i would like to see more of him so i hope he sticks around in this series but yeah this issue just jumped right into the action and it was great and we get like a little bit of backstory you know gene is sick of what's happening in the world after she hears this fucking bigot on TV talking shit about um, testing in utero for uh, mutants to figure out if people are going to be mutants. And so she wants mutant kind to be recognized basically as a state. So she gets, you know, Wakanda to agree. Uh, And I love this. When she shows up in Atlantis to talk to Namor, Namor greets her by spreading his legs. So that was very sexy. That's how I greet Jean Grey. (laughs) 
So yeah, it was. She made a really great speech at the United Nations, and you know, I, I everything that she had to say parallels exactly what's going on in the world now, which is exactly what the X Men stand for. It's a fucking metaphor for any group that is being discriminated against, and that's why this is so perfect, and why it's so perfect that Jean Grey is going to be the one to do it. And the issue ends with Cassandra Nova being back. And I cannot wait for this because she's the type of villain that you don't just throw into a two issue arc like an X-Men Gold. This is going to like this is going to have to be a big story that's going to weave through multiple issues, which I hope for. Um, She's just that kind of large scale threatening villain. The only my complaint about this issue is that it throws us into the action and we had no chance to catch up with Jean Grey. We talked about this last time. You know, Jean Grey ended with number 11. We don't see the two Jeans talking to each other. We don't get to see adult Jean Grey interacting with the X-Men who are still around. Things have happened. There was the fucking M-Day. There was Second Coming. There was uh, the Phoenix Five. Scott's dead, which Jean already knows, but like... You know, why can't we see her get reacquainted with things? Even one issue dedicated to that would be fine. And maybe they're going to do that in X-Men Red Annual number one, which comes out in a couple of months, like, what, after issue number four or something? Which is weird, but I feel like that's really what's missing right now. It has nothing really to do with this issue. It has more to do with just Gene, I guess. I don't know. What do you think about that? I want to see what happens and what she was talking to young Jean about Mm -hmm. to see if she was the one who was like the ghost who was talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Jean should have like a reintroduction kind of instead of just like throwing everything in together. She deserves like a some kind of like homecoming (laughs) like like Spider-Man got. (laughs) So movie. No, not not a movie. <laughs> just a homecoming. Like we should throw her a dance. You want to throw Gina dance? Yeah, and the costume. I mean, I like it. Red and blue are really nice together. I like wearing blue because my hair is red and it makes it stick out more because they're contrasting colors, like oh. pink and green. Yeah, so I I like the color scheme, but at the same time, I mentioned this, I think, to one of the commenters on Instagram that I wish that they had kept her green and yellow because that's what she's worn almost the entire time she's been around. Just various costumes with green and yellow. First as Marvel Girl and Phoenix and, well, I mean, I guess she had the yellow and blue too, but yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like the, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, and the weird, but like that weird 90s yeah, outfit the with the head, head condom. The- <laughs> and they gave it back to her. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and that's what I appreciated about Grant Morrison's run on New X-Men, that like his whole idea was like, no, put him in street clothes. Like, come on, let's be real about this. Um, or more realistic about this. And I know a lot of people hate on Grant Morrison's run, but I thought it was fucking amazing. Like, even if she was wearing something that wasn't necessarily a costume, like, she would always be wearing, like, say, like, a green dress with, like, yellow shoes or something. No, and that, and that know, would and that's be like cool. so, like, like, she doesn't even need to be in her costume, just a color scheme, and you know, like, automatically, like, that's Jean. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I, I I completely agree. There needs to be some sort of homecoming. That's probably what we're going to get in X-Men Red Annual. Be Otherwise, like, why else would you do that so soon? But this is another reason why we could have used a Jean Grey number 12. And I don't blame Dennis Hopeless because he wrote the shit out of that Jean Grey series. We fucking loved it. Um, Again, I feel like this is just Marvel and, like, the editorial there just making really stupid decisions. So maybe we're going to get this homecoming now and we've got to wait a few months for an annual after issue like number four. But that's enough bitching. We've got some better news to talk about in a little bit. So does the new Brotherhood seem like a solid team or are they a little shaky? Huh? Like an avalanche? Does anyone else think an alliance with Namor smells fishy? Huh? You swim with that bad joke for a few minutes while we take a break. How much geek would a geekade geek if a geekade could geek aid? Sounds like someone spiked the geekade even drinking, you sloppy slut. The answer is lots. Before you drink a pint of Guinness this St. Patty's Day, huh, Patty? Why not grab a pint of geekade.com? Grab the internet? You've been knocking back butter rum, Firestar? Geekade.com is a website full of original content. We cover everything from comic books and video games to wrestling and music to sports and literature. If you can geek out over it, Geekade has you covered. Stop by Geekade.com today and tell us what's your geek. And remember to geek and drink responsibly if you're over 21. Remember that time a million people came together, took over Fox, and forced them to do a second season of Wolverine and the X-Men cartoon? You sound like the fake news network. No, you're not suffering from brain damage, you stupid moron. That never happens. But fans can still try. One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men is a Facebook page dedicated to fans of the X-Men. From tough trivia to cool artwork to t-shirts for sale, One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men is the coolest fan-produced X-Men page anywhere on the internet. Don't act like you've been everywhere on the internet. Stop by One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook today. Ever slapped a man with an eel? You haven't seen the internet until you've seen eelslap.com. True story. True story. So Garden State Comic Fest has expanded from just Morristown, New Jersey, and will be coming to the Showboat Hotel and Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey on April 7th and 8th this year. This will be the biggest and best comic fest to date with great vendors, artists, guests, panels, workshops, and cosplay. The convention is welcoming back Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles co-creator Kevin Eastman, legendary artist Jim Steranko, Ren and Stimpy co-creator Bob Camp, and why not meet some great contemporary talent like Jay Lee, Riley Brown, and Rags Morales. Join us in Atlantic City on April 7th and 8th, and head over to GardenStateComicFest.com for tickets and information today. Okay, so for the Mutant Memories this month, we're going to be talking about the Magic Limited series from December of 83 through March of 84. It was a four-issue limited series, and the actual title is like Storm and Ilyana, which was kind of weird how they put Storm in there, but not Kitty, and that that's neither here nor there. But so, like, this, this was a really cool series to see. You have this kind of, like, secondary character in Ilyana Rasputin, and they just decided to take her and throw a bunch of shit at her and give her, like, all this potential. And I really, really liked it. It was really weird, though, to see how Storm, like, isn't her normal self. She's a sorceress Storm. So a Stormceress? Eh? No? 
Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Storm. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, and so you've got this fucking demon, Belasco, who's trying, who's like accelerating Ilyana's growth and wants to take her on as like his apprentice and fucking, so we, you know, we get introduced to Aurora, we get introduced to this woman, Cat, who we have no idea who it is yet, right? Huh? Who could Cat be? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, now we would know because, you know, Shadow Cat, but back then, this was before she was even Shadow Cat. But it was still kind of obvious this was Kitty Pride. But um, no, just like the artwork was like really distinct. Um, and it was a weird contrast too, seeing like Kitty from like this young, innocent, happy little teenager into like this battle-hardened, fucking warped and angry and killer fucking woman in this crazy-ass like spandex suit. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it was weird. It presented us with like another alternate timeline sort of thing you know with uh like days of future past did and so in this storm and this kitty's time Ilyana is the one who remained on earth and the x-men got trapped in limbo so that's why Ilyana meets them there so it just gives like a really cool backstory to this but they don't elaborate on it very much which you know sure it's mysterious but still it's one of those things where like i wish we could have gotten more of that like the artwork like colossus's dead body and um, uh, how fucking Belasco turns Cat into this actually, like, humanoid cat uh, after she tries to, like, help Ilyana, like, become, like, a battle-hardened bitch like her to, like, take on Belasco. We finally start seeing that, hey, there's more going on with Ilyana than just this. She's actually a mutant. There is something weird, too, that happens. Th- these comics, like, kind of took place as like an insert in an issue of uncanny x-men or whatever where she was being pulled into limbo yeah and like they never let go of her and like they pulled her out (laughs) and when she came out she turned from like a seven-year-old into like a 15-year-old yeah so that was interesting in the fact that they actually like wrote a four-issue story about what happened in one panel i thought that was really cool and the thing with her actual mutant ability is that it hasn't been consistent her whole run because it used to be that she would teleport Mm -hmm. blindly and they would have to go through limbo and she wouldn't be sure uh like how long it would take like it could take weeks or months to actually reach their location yeah and um they they kind of kept that up during new mutants but but they they retconned it quickly but well not really retconned it but they kind of like smoothed that over I, i think they realized that like oh hey maybe this isn't the greatest idea to give her this power so maybe we kind of need her to get really good at teleporting quickly, really fast. Yeah, and like they don't go through limbo anymore. Or if they do, they just skip it's, that step. Yeah, it's instantaneous. So yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I think, like I said, like that they thought that that could be interesting. And it was, but then they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't keep doing this. Cause, and every time we write her using her power, the new mutants are going to be... It's like stuck in limbo and having to go through this every time. So we need to like get rid of this really quick. I don't know. That's yeah, what I think. That, make, that makes sense. Yeah. So, but it's it's still cool. You know, they wrote her as, as a mutant. They gave her a mutant power. Plus already, like in this limited series, she's learning magic. She's learning it a little bit from Storm and then more so from Belasco. Because by like the third issue, 
you know, she's stuck in his citadel and she's practicing magic. Um, Belasco, like I said, turns Cat into like this actual humanoid cat who's like completely evil now. But, you know, that was just really fucking creepy though. It's like, how, how could Ilyana not see that Belasco was like this bad dude? I don't, I guess she was just being tempted by all the power, but. You know, she fucking snaps out of it when Storm comes for her fucking rescue. She creates her soul sword. She challenges Belasco. They have this huge fucking fight. And it's just so badass. But you see her turning more into a demon and him, like, more into a human form, which was just crazy. So it took this character, who, like I said, was secondary character, just the sister of, like, a well-known mutant, and... Like Patty said, it happened in one panel, in one fucking issue, and they wrote a four-issue series out of it and turned this little girl into this fucking, like, part-demon badass. Magic is, like, my third favorite character after Jean and Laura, and it's because she's, like, such a fucking badass. Like, she doesn't give a shit. She's just this fucking goth demon goddess chick now. Who's, like, fucking clad with, like, devil horns and chains and fucking <laughs> bikini chainmail. Like, she's mood in both in both fashion and, and mood. She's goals. <laughs> she's mood. She's goals. She's other short one-syllable words. True. Fuck. Same. Boobs. Me. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if you've never read the series before and you're listening, like, we spoiled a whole bunch of it for you. Not that it's really going to spoil a whole lot because you should know who, who she is now, but I would definitely go back and give it a read. Um, you know, it's again, it's only four issues. It gives her a, a pretty good backstory, and then you can kind of, you know, pick up and, and everything else is sort of like in context um, after this. Like, this was her true start. All right, so moving on to... Some news, it wasn't a ton of news this month, um, one of them though is we're getting a Wolverine miniseries, the first issue comes out at the end of April, and then there's going to be one issue a week uh, in May, uh, at least for four of the weeks in May, uh, and I thought this was nifty, it's each a different genre, and each issue has its own creative team, and I'm sort of excited about this, but at the same time I'm a little worried, because I've already bitched about X-Men editorial, uh, so I don't know how this is going to be handled as far as consistency goes. I think it's really cool that they're going for different styles in these different issues. Like, all right, so one of them's a detective story, one of them's action, one of them's a horror story, one of them's a dark romance. That all sounds really cool. And we've got some cool talent on here. Um, fucking Chris Bacallo isn't one of the artists. We have Butch Guise as another artist, R.B. Silva. Like, they're fan-fucking-tastic. Tom Taylor's writing one. Jim Zub is writing another one. Like, this is all sounds sounds great. For those of you who haven't been following along, 616 Logan has been back, but he's been kind of staying hidden. So, you know, in uh, there's been a, a couple of backup stories in some of the comics, which have been cool. I don't know if anybody else out there got um, Infinity Countdown Prime, but for the first bunch of pages... It focused on 616 Logan. So he's he's just, you know, starting to make himself a little bit more known in the Marvel Universe. And it's really cool to see him back. And I think it's cool that they're giving him some focus. Maybe Gene could have deserved some of this kind of focus, too. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Jean deserves all the focus. She has all of my focus. I mean, I love, I love Logan. You know, there's no secret about that. 
I am really excited. I just found out about this actually when I was reading this before we were talking about it, and I'm kind of upset that Jonathan didn't tell me about this. I want to surprise you sometimes. Oh, thank you. So yeah, I'm looking forward to these uh, mini series, mini mini issue story things. Um, tiny issues. Tiny issues. Definitely, but like, here's the thing. What what I think about this though is uh, maybe you guys like leave us comments, please. Do you want to see 616 Logan come back and stay back? Yes. So now here's the thing about this. Like this could just have to do with the Infinity Stone that he has right now. Maybe he'll go back to being dead after it. I I doubt it. But the the reason why I bring this up is because we have a lot of Wolverines. We have a lot of people with claws right now. You know, I mean, we have Laura. We have Gabby. We have Deken. We have Jimmy. Uh, we have old man Logan, and now we're going to have middle-aged man Logan. I think that we need at least five more wolf people. Wolf? Wolf people. The wolf. No, I like wolf. Yeah, the wolf people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's bat fam. It has nothing on wolf fam. <laughs> and you know what? We all include Deadpool in the wolf fam, too, because he, he and Gabby are best friends, but, and he can just stick some knives through his hands. But Jonathan deserves to be more of that fam than no, Wade does. Jonathan is part of the wolf fam. Yeah, but... He's like Bat Cow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so next is a multiple man series was just recently announced coming out this July from writer Matthew Rosenberg and artist Andy MacDonald. So we know that multiple man has been dead and apparently Rosenberg, the writer, said, but our book starts off with someone finding Jamie very not dead, but he is not long for this world. So the mystery of why he isn't dead and how to save himself is a big driving force of the story. The only really other noteworthy quote that I wanted to include in here was that no Layla Miller. He Bullshit. wants to focus, uh, Rosenberg wants to focus on Jamie and not have Layla in there. You know, you know what we need more of? Uh, can we, can we please get some more comic books focused on white straight men? Cause I don't, I don't know if there are enough of those. Well, <laughs> I find nobody to relate to. I mean, if they put a girl in there, <laughs> suddenly it's lost all the appeal. <laughs> Marvel is the one who's pushing diversity and is catching a lot of heat over it. I think, unfortunately, that they are. Um, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but I think that it is very unfortunate that Marvel is catching shit for trying to promote diversity. But that being said, I'm trying to be hopeful for this series, but Matthew Rosenberg is sort of hit or miss. We're getting so many of these series that come out and then they just end after like a handful of issues. And um, I don't know what's going to happen with this. Fucking get Peter David to do another X Factor. Yeah. Put multiple man back in there. Yep. You can have Layla in there. Good. And fucking just throw some darts at a board and that's how you pick the rest of the cast. It doesn't even matter. Hilarious. Get fu- Sure. Well, she's going to be X-Men Blue. <laughs> Wolverine is on six teams. <laughs> Laura- Lorna can be on two teams. <laughs> But there's too many women That's across. True. There's too many women across. That's true. No more women. We need to put her in half of one book. Okay, fair enough. You can pick the half, and you okay. can pick the book. And, and but only get, half of one book. She'll get seventy-four percent of the dialogue. Preferably her bottom half, 
so we can use her for reproductive purposes because that's what a woman's vagin is for, right? Why don't you just use the torso to vagin? You don't need her face or her legs. She doesn't need to walk. Just show her midsection. I mean, that's all that that's all that we care about. I'm so glad we're recording this so we can play it back and like prepare it for our pitch to Marvel. For the new X Men, the new X Factor featuring the torso of Polaris. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right, so some some movie news. So we we had talked recently about how there were rumors of potentially a Shadow Cat film not happening. <laughs> so there was this news that Tim Miller, the Deadpool guy, Boo. and Brian Michael Bend. Boo. Brian Michael Boo. Bendis, who works for DC now, uh, are teaming up for Project 143. And the internet has already figured out what that likely refers to. Um, Uncanny X-Men number 143 is where Kitty Pride is left alone in the mansion um, and battles some fucking demons. So, you know, I mean, obviously it hasn't been confirmed yet, but that's likely what this is about. And so people are speculating, like, who who's going to play Kitty Pride? Are they going to get Ellen Page back? And I know a lot of people hate Bendis. And personally, I feel a little betrayed since he just fucking up and left Marvel for DC. But that's where, like, everybody's going. I still think he is a good writer, at least with comic books. I, I don't know how he's going to do on this. But I still think it, you know, is interesting and has potential. So there you go. What do you think about uh, a t- fucking newly... DC guy that just left Marvel writing a fucking writing Shadow Cat, a character that we love. He can suck a dick. Man, you're really pushing the dick sucking agenda tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I feel like you know everybody is leaving for DC, but like DC sucks. <laughs> so except for Batcow. Except for Batcow. So I don't understand. And Batcow has never had his own title. I know. Just make <laughs> movies about cows. Stop making movies about comic books. It doesn't even have to be an action movie. Just no. put cows Just in a watch. Batman costume. I'll watch it. <laughs> I want to watch that. Let them eat their grass wearing yeah. a Batman costume. It's perfect. Right? Yeah. I know. Right. There you go. There's a new movie. All right. So a couple of pieces of news about the new Mutants movie. Maisie Williams said that reshoots are just rumors that it's unfounded that that's not what's happening but apparently she just hasn't been contacted about reshoots and so she apparently wouldn't even necessarily need to be informed or included in any reshoots for the movie so we don't know if that's the official reason why it's got it's gotten pushed back 10 months so there are a lot of rumors about it and no real official reason for it but regardless it's still not coming out until february of next year so i just thought that that was kind of interesting that she said that there are no reshoots for it but then we got this other piece of news that the movie is adding a new character according to the hollywood reporter apparently but the new character wasn't specified and I mean, who knows what they're going to do here. You know, it could have been 
karma. Karma was supposed to have a small part in the movie anyway. Back when they were still just in the production phase, they were talking about including Warlock. Who knows? Maybe they'll put that in now. Maybe they're not inserting a new character. I really don't know. But I just wanted to bring this up because I think it's kind of interesting to think about what they might be doing and kind of speculate about it. Um, even if all we're going to do is think about it for the next, you know, 11 months until this thing actually fucking comes out. Maybe they're going to put like a post credit scene in there and show a little bit of Warlock kind of setting up a second movie because this is supposed to be a horror trilogy, right? So if we get the demon bear in the first movie, we could have Warlock in the second movie. I don't know. Do you want to see Warlock in one of these movies? Barring the fact that you think that they all suck and they should all be destroyed. <laughs> um, would you want, do you think that it would be cool to see Warlock on the big screen? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how well they could do it. Like, well, do you mean by look or by like actual writing? Both. Really? Because like, I mean, Groot looked, you know, okay. Yeah. But he still looked like super like, CG kind of I don't know I feel like do you remember that like fucking 2004 Scooby-Doo movie I never saw it but yeah okay I don't know that it's it's around that year some some year around there yeah the mid 2000s early 2000s whatever Scooby-Doo movie yeah there were some some years around there that looked awful yeah and I mean there's been a lot of time since then but that that the dog looked so fucking bad, <laughs> and I just, I don't want Warlock to be the new Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I, you know, um, I don't know if he would, like, translate well exactly. Oh, what kind of snacks do you think Warlock Scooby-Doo would eat? Self-friend snacks, huh? You, Self-friend you, snacks. You sighed. Or you gasped right after I said, I don't know if that would translate. And I thought you were going to be like, yeah, yeah, who can translate for him? <gasps> Cypher. Yes. <gasps> That's the character eat, they're adding. He would eat Cypher snacks. Is that a thing? That's a sexy thing. Okay. I don't know. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, the writing, I figured, yeah, you would say, like, probably not good. And, and it, the writing could be absolute shit. We don't, we're not gonna know until next year. But I just, I wanna feel like he's gonna look good on the big screen. I really wanna, I really wanna believe that he will. I mean, it's, it's not a great comparison, but like, in X-Men the Animated Series, like, say whatever you want about how corny that series was, and it was, Like, they did a great job with Warlock, drawing him, his voice, everything. Just take that as your template and put it on the big screen. Like, I I don't know. But, um, we have no idea who this character is going to be. We don't even know if it's going to be a new character. So, who the fuck knows? We'll find out February of fucking next decade. So, that'll do it for this month's episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. One million to save Wolverine and the X-Men. Feedback on iTunes and check out some of our favorite X images on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. What do you think of Bendis writing a Kitty Pride script? Are you excited for 616 Logan's return? Join us next month when we'll be discussing Old Man Logan, the first two appearances of the Hellions, and probably a whole lot more because we're going to start doing two episodes a month in April. At least we're going to give it a shot. Until next time, Benjamin Deeds was finally right. <laughs>